with you a couple of bits of feedback from some of you that have utilized garage experts as I did both for my garage flooring and storage Steve said Mark and his crew were exceptional I'm extremely pleased with how my three-car garage turned out it has completely transformed and I highly recommend Mark and his company for your epoxy or storage needs. They are just fantastic to work with. LeVon said from start to finish, the entire process, professional, smooth, seamless. The office staff is fantastic. Presenting showroom options, honest upfront pricing. Mark and the install crew were early each day, did a fabulous job. They delivered what they promised in a timely manner. They finished, or the finished product is incredible. The neighbors are already impressed. We highly recommend Garage Experts, and you can find them under Nick's endorsements at ksgf.com. We've got Author of the Week coming up, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, The Soros Agenda. That, in mere moments, it's time to get the latest news update. From the Color 10 Studios, I'm Jesse Inman. Here's a look at what's making news on your Thursday. The Kansas City Chiefs kick off the NFL season and will drop a championship banner as they host the Detroit Lions on Thursday night football. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey is questionable with a knee injury and defensive tackle Chris Jones is not expected to play due to a contract dispute. That game kicks off at 7:20. Changes are coming to Missouri State University. President Cliff Smart announces he will retire at the end of this academic year after 13 years in office. He's the longest-standing president in university history. Smart expressed gratitude for the opportunity to serve at the helm of the university. A search committee for the university's next president will start later this month. For Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. And the first alert forecast from Color 10, Fox 49 meteorologist, sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. Sunny. High of 86 today, slight chance of rain overnight down to 62, and tomorrow mostly sunny with a slight chance of morning showers and a high of 85. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Springfield's Talk 1041. I am Nick Reed. Thursday, which means it is Author of the Week Day, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. And our author this week, Rachel Ehrenfeld, The Soros Agenda. And the name George Soros is a name that is very familiar to so many people. We hear a lot. We saw it in St. Louis. Uh, so many of the problems occurring there with crime regarding, uh, a you know, we had the prosecutor that was a Soros prosecutor. We hear about Soros prosecutors. But, you know, beyond the name and the understanding of the connection to uh, some of these folks that get elected to be prosecutors and in other elected capacities as well, uh, we don't really oftentimes, or a lot of you may not know a lot about George Soros. So we want to thank Rachel Ehrenfeld for being with us to talk about the Soros agenda. And um, if you would, just tell us a little bit about what made you decide to write the book. Exactly the reason that you mentioned. Uh, you said that many people, we hear about Soros, but here and there. Uh, but we don't really, most people don't know much about Soros. 
which is kind of funny because he has been uh, active politically, the biggest donor of the Democratic Party has been for many years, and uh, he's a billionaire, he's a financial maverick, and uh, most people don't know much about him because uh, reporters have not actually done their homework for a long time now and uh, didn't do any research to find out more about this person. Uh, what we know about Soros is what he has been telling is most of what we know about his background. So I decided that it would be, this is a very important time in American uh, political history. And uh, I thought that it would be good if people actually know more about George Soros and the agenda that he planned and carried out and continues to carry out in uh, in the United States uh, against, uh, against American values, American constitution, and, and, uh, and uh, capitalism. And I thought it was very important for people to know what his agenda has been how, and how he, what, how he carried it out, what kind of policies, what kind of strategies, and what kind of tactics he used in order to implement them. Uh, because if you know thy enemy, uh, if you don't agree to his um, radical, progressive, left, neo-communist agenda, you may want to, you should read this book in order to know what he has done in order to try and uh, counter it. We're talking with Dr. Rachel Ehrenfeld, our author of the week. She's a founder and president of American Center for Democracy and the Economic Warfare Institute. You decades ago had noted that if Soros went unchecked or unchallenged, that he could be responsible for completely altering the landscape of American politics. And I think that uh, you know, so many of us have recognized that to some degree that has been occurring. How was it that you recognized that before Soros was a, a name known in the capacity it is today? Uh, I didn't have a crystal ball. Uh, however, I paid attention because uh, back in, uh, as, as soon as he started his organization, uh, uh, operating in, uh, actually, in, in the United States, from New York, uh, his first uh, agenda was to try and change uh, the um, drug laws in the United States. Uh, however, and this was uh, the Open Society Institute, and uh, he created other organizations, other foundations, that promoted drug legalization, as well as funded all kinds of small organizations, initially small, uh, to promote uh, the, and, and at the time, this was 1954, uh, $15 million to promote uh, drug legalization in propaganda, uh, articles, newspapers, people who will speak on behalf of this, uh, was very unusual uh, and a lot of money. Uh, $15 million got you a lot of uh, airtime and, and uh, advertisement. Uh, and I was, I was very, I was curious why someone 
who claims uh, that he is for an open society, uh, is funding um, the... Is funding the, is trying to get uh, um, the biggest slavery ever, which is drug addiction, uh, legalized in a country. Why he is trying to enslave <laughs> Americans while he is claiming that he wants an open society? It was a contradiction. So I was very curious and started to follow what he was doing, uh, and that's how I, I understood initially and from the beginning, that um, the, the issue was not only drug legalization. The issue was he wanted to test his ability to change laws in the United States, especially criminal laws, because criminal laws are controlling really law and order. Uh, and that was the first. And why did he choose drugs? Because at the time that he tried that, uh, at the beginning, the idea of legalizing drugs was unacceptable and unthinkable. And uh, he said, okay, I'll try and do it. And he didn't use, he didn't go to Congress and lobbied Congress to, t to try and change the laws. No. He went to uh, states, he went to cities, he went to small localities, organized people there and paid them in order to promote them in the communities. And uh, that was really, that's one of his staples. Uh, and he succeeded. Um, many more millions of Americans are doped today than when Soros uh, started with this. We are talking with our author of the week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, Rachel Ehrenfeld, the book, The Soros Agenda. For whatever reason, Soros, in my mind, he's almost always been a caricature, like a Lex Luthor type of person that just does bad stuff because he can. Is, what, what have you found motivates him? What is his end goal? Or is it as simple as he just, he, he just wants to see if he can do it, and, and he's got the money, he's got the means, he's got the control, and so he does it? Well, not every billionaire, there are many billionaires in the, in the United States much richer than he is, than Soros is. Uh, and they didn't really, except a few, uh, they didn't want to change um, the legal system in the United States. Um, some of them wanted to uh, get around it, uh, but people didn't want to change the character of the United States. Uh, of the only constitutional uh, republic or with the uh, democratic and capitalistic where people actually were able to become rich like he, he did, actually. Um, and so his motives are not... I, I didn't interview him for the article, uh, for the book, or the articles that I've done, only one, early on. But I... Um, I uh, looked at what he has said over the years, uh, and I cite him heavily throughout the book, and I, I looked at, okay, this is what he said, let's see how he went about getting what he wanted. And he quite amazingly was able to, uh, if you want, buy a lot of influence uh, in uh, the Democratic Party, uh, he had supported every Democrat uh, president uh, since um, the 90s, I guess, it's, it's starting with Clinton and Hillary Clinton. 
and their agendas went on to uh, support every Democrat uh, presidential. He, he paid a lot of money uh, trying to get Kerry uh, to be elected. Uh, and of course, we are now today at, uh, of, of course, Obama and, um, and Biden. Now, he, um, he, he's a megalomaniac. He said that this is not, the book is not a biography. Uh, I, only, uh, I only wrote about uh, his character uh, in relation to his political agenda. And uh, I, he thinks of himself as a philosopher, unacknowledged, but a very important philosopher. And uh, he said that when he was younger, he thought of himself as God. And since he made a lot of money, he's now living it out. Mm. Well, he's living it out, and he's, and he's making our lives miserable. Right. Well, um, he, he certainly has, unfortunately, had, I think, an impact, particularly you see it in, in the cities with these prosecutors and the crime that has, has flourished yes. under these prosecutors. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, but, 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 yeah. But he, but he not only, and, and you mentioned it in your introduction, he not only funds uh, rogue prosecutors, and he actually mm. boasted about it in the Wall Street Journal last year, uh, he also funds um, other attorneys uh, who work, state uh, general attorneys, prosecutors who work in, uh, who, who, who are getting, who are being hired by the rogue prosecutors, uh, that are being elected. Anybody running for office uh, uh, who is progressively um, uh, progressively on the left enough uh, will get money to be elected. Uh, may it be uh, a local uh, for the local assembly, for the city, uh, for uh, Congress, uh, for any secretaries of state. Uh, anybody who's running for office, even judges in places where they are elected, uh, can count on, uh, if they are progressive enough, can count mm. on uh, sources money. And his son, who took mm. over the organization in June, uh, is now, uh, has, has said uh, and promised uh, that he will do everything he can, and he has a chest war of $25 billion. B, with a B, uh, dollars uh, to prevent uh, Trump, of course, from re-election and, um, and prevent a anybody who has Republicans and especially the MAGA movement, anybody who thinks that America is exceptional uh, and should continue as a constitutional republic with capitalism uh, and democracy, uh, they will they will fight actually they will fund the opposition well, uh, so this is dangerous well this leads me to my final question with rachel ehrenfeld the author of the soros agenda um i for some period of time i they thought well you know, as much as he may think of himself as a god and all the money in the world it doesn't make you 
beyond death, and and uh, like all of us, uh, he will one day leave this earth. And then you hear about him passing the torch to his son, who's already been making visits to the Biden administration, the White House. And so you think, well, is this ever going to end? What what is it? Do you see a pathway to stopping this for Americans? What is our best? hope or path forward to stop the destruction of the the Soros agenda? Uh, the the uh, Soros Foundation has, has been uh, listed, has been ranked as the least transparent organization, uh, think tank organization, charity uh, of its kind, anywhere in the world, not only in the United States. So... Um, the the opaqueness of what they are doing, uh, we find out things about them here and there because there are some email leaks, uh, etc. Not because people who work there are leaking anything; they are afraid to speak. Anybody who works there uh, is is feeling uh, deep attachment to the organization and or are afraid to speak. And most of the people, uh, most of high-ranking officials at the Biden administration are people with deep links uh, to sources and his foundations. And the policies they are actually implementing are policies that has been uh, born uh, by working with him, uh, with, his, with his initiative. Um, so... Um, the way to, to fight this is really to call them out and, and uh, not vote for them. Uh, I mean, you don't want these policies, fight against them. You don't want your children to be indoctrinated to be, um, uh, to be uh, neo-communists. Uh, and uh, you don't want your children to be convinced or, or told that they can change their gender uh, you want your children to study at school and not to learn mathematics and, 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 and algebra and writing and reading and physics, and you don't want them to uh, uh, be completely consumed with uh, the new religion of global warming uh, or of uh, different pronouns every day, then you should actually demand locally everywhere uh, that uh, things will change at the school, from the school level, from kindergarten level up. Uh, and, and vote according to your conscience and understanding uh, it, uh, when, when you go to vote. That's simple civic. Rachel Ehrenfeld, our author of the week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. The book again, The Hi. Soros Agenda. This is Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Enough with the lies. We need facts. It's well-balanced conversation. This is Springfield's Talk 104.1. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. How's it going, folks? Tomorrow morning, broadcasting live from Scramblers. Love to see ya. We'll be out there 6 to 9. Friday Roadshow sponsored by Affordable Towing. Out there every Friday, barring vacation, holidays. So we would love uh, to see you out there tomorrow. Coming up, we're going to talk with Senator Eigel. He is one of a number of Republicans vying for the Republican nomination to run on the Republican ticket. I guess it wouldn't be the nomination. He's in the primary. 
wants to be the Republican candidate in the general election to be governor of the state of Missouri. We will chat with him coming up. Streaming live, KSGF.com. Also, just programming note reminder that um, those of you who hit the podcast immediately after the show, it's just a little bit delayed. Sarah's gone. Somebody else is handling that. She's just on vacation this week. So it may not be there as quickly as it normally is, but it will get there. Just so you do know a traffic update now, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. The first alert forecast sponsored by Navant, employee benefits that work from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sunny 86. For a high today, there's a slight chance you might see some rain develop in the overnight hours, a low of 62. Then mostly sunny tomorrow, though there is still a slight chance of those overnight showers lingering into the morning. But eventually again, sunshine for tomorrow afternoon with a high of 85. Um, It seems like to some degree it's always election season. We're going to have a gubernatorial election in the state of Missouri. And there are a number of Republicans that are wanting to be on the Republican ticket as the nominee facing the Democrat and whatever other party might have some uh, candidates in there. And one of those is State Senator Bill Eigel. And we've spoken with him before. He's been on the program. I know he stopped by when we've been, done the Friday Roadshow and Scramblers. And he is with us this morning to talk about his run. I want to welcome you. Thanks for being with us this morning. And we'll start off with why you're running. Well, I, I tell you what. First of all, Nick, thanks for having me this morning. Happy Friday or happy Thursday. My goodness, I'm losing my track yeah. of my days. But uh, thanks for having me this morning. And yeah, I, I tell you what. The reason I am running is because I feel like we are missing out on a bold conservative Missouri that the voters are asking for every two years, but we can never seem to get to mm-hmm. because unfortunately we have too many soft Republicans leading a center-left coalition down in Jefferson City. Informally, we call them rhinos, and I just think it's time to stop feeding the rhinos and put a proven conservative in the governor's mansion that's actually going to deliver on all the big red Republican ideas that we've gotten too used to only hearing about during campaign season. So we've actually got a big announcement tomorrow. I can't technically let you know what I'm going to be doing, but I can tell you it's 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 i'm not running for lieutenant governor how about that okay that's, that that would be the biggest hint that i can give you right now fair enough <laughs> uh you know you mentioned rhino and um one of our constitutional experts that we have uh, most fridays here tom martz and uh, he when people talk about rhinos he will often say that the the real rhinos are the actual constitutionalists because the republican party has um yeah, itself is is not constitutional, and so it's all kind of backwards, sort of. Um, wh- where do you evaluate? What's your, if you would, uh, overall view of the Republican Party as a party in the state of Missouri? Well, I, I think there's there's actually two parties. One, there is the Republican Party of the people. Uh, the people of the state, the Republicans that are electing these big super majorities, uh, genuinely believe in the ideals as outlined in the GOP platform. They actually think that the government should be smaller. They actually think that the government should do nothing more than protect your rights. They actually think that we should be lowering the tax burden uh, to the point that Missouri is attracting growth and competing with those other big red states uh, around the country. And then 
On the other hand, there's, there's a different Republican Party of actual elected so-called Republicans in Jefferson City that say everything they need to say to get elected during campaign season, but do something entirely different. This is kind of the center-left Mike Parson Republican Party. This is the party that has grown government down in Jefferson City. I mean, if you look at the state budget, we've grown the state budget since 2010 from $20 billion to $53 billion. We've grown more government in the seven years of Mike Parson and Mike Kehoe than we have in all the years that we've had a Democrat in charge of this state and all the years that Missouri has been a state. I mean, that's remarkable. And that growth, that, that such dramatic growth of state government has led, has opened the door to environments like we saw during the COVID epidemic. During the, there, all that COVID craziness was facilitated and enabled by the largest government that we've ever had in the state of Missouri. And so when it came time that we needed Republicans like Mike Parson or Mike Kehoe to stand up and defend us from everything from mask mandates to vaccine mandates to business shutdowns, they were unwilling to do it. And so as I'm traveling around the state right now, Republicans are furious because of this difference between the people who represent the Republican Party and the actual elected officials. You know, it's, it, this is something that if we don't change this, uh, we stand, we're not only losing our brand as Republicans, uh, things in this state are just continue, going to continue to stagnate. And by the way, I'm a big fan of Todd Marks. He, you know, he comes out with his Locke and Smith Awards that he, uh, he actually tries to grade, or he doesn't try to, he actually grades every single legislator on their voting record for every single vote uh, that they take during a legislative session. I'm one of the highest scoring Republicans or any of the legislators of any person that he has graded since I've been in office. So uh, I think that's a good measure, and I'm happy that I'm doing so well, even according to Tom Martz's, uh measure. So uh, I think it's, it's the closer we the, the better we are voting in line with the Constitution is the better we are doing of keeping our commitment to the people that we're going to defend their rights as outlined in the constitutional document. Yeah, it's interesting you, you reference Locke and Smith and Dr. John Lilly and Tom Martz, you know, just were the the folks behind all of that. And it you know, there's been evolution over the last couple of years with that. And one of the things that, that Tom Martz has been doing is he travels the state and he teaches about the the constitution the missouri state constitution and sometimes it's it's bothersome how few elected officials have any interest in participating uh, i mean it's just it's it's i think a sad reflection of of where we are and i think you see it also i when it comes to republicans particularly those that are running in primaries they all run as a conservative and right. even sometimes right. once they're elected, they like to tout that. But the, here's how I look at it. I figure if you really genuinely are conservative or even, dare I say, constitutional, the entire country would know your name. There are some Republican governors, DeSantis being one, um, Abbott being another. And even before DeSantis was running for uh, president, he was demonized by the media because he was doing bold things that made people mm -hmm. uncomfortable, things that were mm -hmm. not safe. And when you see these maps or you just hear the offhand references of people fleeing California and people fleeing New York and, and these areas, and then they always note they're going to places like Florida, Texas, you don't hear Missouri mentioned. And while you might be okay. able to show there is some growth, we're, we're clearly not. We're not yeah, dealing. No, we're not dealing with bold leadership. It's not bold. 
No, you know, wherever I go, I ask people, hey, how do you think we're doing as elected officials, uh, the Republican supermajorities in Jefferson City? And the answers are always the same, no matter where I'm at. People feel disappointed. They're frustrated. They're angry, right? And I ask them, well, what's a state that you've heard of that you think big red things are happening? And, of course, they say the same to states, right? Florida, Texas, mm-hmm. Tennessee, South Dakota, right? And I say, who's the governor of Florida? And they say, Ron DeSantis. And this was long before he was running for president. Who's the governor of Texas? Greg Abbott. Who's the governor of South Dakota? Christy Nome. Well, how many people do you think in those states know who the heck Mike Parson is? Right. None of them. Nobody in those states knows who Mike Parson is. And it's the reason. Look back at the COVID environment. When we were having businesses shut down in the state of Missouri, masks were being put on our kids. Uh, vaccine mandates were going into effect all over the state of Missouri. People were losing their jobs. Where was Mike Parson? Where was he? What was he doing? He wasn't doing anything. He was standing by and letting it happen. I actually had signed a letter with 16 of my colleagues calling on Governor Parson to call us into a special session so we could protect the rights of the people to not lose their job if they didn't want to take that shot. And he did nothing. And at the same time, Ron DeSantis was out there telling folks, uh, or he wasn't telling folks, he was telling Joe Biden that they weren't going to have that nonsense happening in the state of Florida, and he was protecting their citizens. So Mike Kehoe comes along now, and he wants to be the successor to Mike Parson. Well, I'm guessing, I'm telling you right now, I don't think the people of Missouri want more of the same status quo and failed leadership down in Jefferson City that we've gotten from Mike Parson. And listen, this is must be, many folks may be surprised to hear this from a Republican state senator saying this about the Republican governor, but that is precisely the, the this is the, this is the war that we're having as far as a war of ideas in the state of Missouri. It's not between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats have already been abandoned in mass by the Republican or by the Missouri public because their ideas are so insane. They're out there mutilating kids, defunding the police. They are so insane that, that they don't have a path forward to lead this state. But in the Republican Party, we have to decide, do we want a bold conservative leader in charge of the state that's going to defend your rights and shrink the government? Or do we want more of the same status quo that has created a grift off of the record number of your tax dollars that are going down to Jefferson City, as exemplified by the status quo choices of Mike Kehoe or Jay Ashcroft? I think that decision is actually going to be pretty clear, and uh, that's why I'm very optimistic going into next year. Talking with State Senator Bill Eigel, taxes are, to me, a very frustrating issue in the state of Missouri. We have... Again, Republicans that essentially could have the dream small government, lower tax state, yet particularly at the gas pump, we saw an increase that was pushed so long, so hard, they actually stretched it over a number of years in order to subvert the Hancock Amendment because they wanted to raise the taxes so much the Constitution didn't allow it, so they had to stretch it over a period of years. But then they run around talking about how they are for lower taxes, And there's a lack of specificity oftentimes. However, I know, and you've got a site, uh, letsgomo.org, and you're very specific. Repeal personal property tax, eliminate Mm -hmm. personal income tax, eliminate corporate income tax. Now, Mm -hmm. the reason that I recognize these as meaningful is because I'm sure that a lot in the Republican establishment will talk about how the state will collapse if something like this is done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Uh, whenever government uh, feels that one of their revenue streams is threatened, you'll see a whole, a whole you'll hear a whole bunch of predictions of an apocalyptic end, right? Uh, but the reality is that's just not true. 
since as I'll say it again, since 2010, we've grown government from 20 billion to 53 billion. So this is not a question of whether or not we've got plenty of taxpayer money going down to Jefferson City funding government. We have too much of your taxpayer money. So I and by the way, I'll say this as a caveat. I've never met a tax I wasn't willing to get rid of. I filed legislation not to get rid, not just to get rid of all the taxes that you just mentioned, but I filed legislation to roll back the tax, the gas tax increase. I filed legislation to actually put a gas tax holiday in effect to make gas a little bit more affordable for the people of this state. But it doesn't get any traction in Jefferson City because, yeah. well, Mike Parson was the guy leading the fight to raise the gas yeah. tax. Yeah. Mike Kehoe was the guy leading the fight to raise that record amount of tax uh, on your gas. So. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> it's incredibly frustrating when you hear Republicans who all say the same thing in campaign season. Well, we're gonna we're gonna lower your taxes. We're gonna make the tax burden lighter. But then they go down to Jefferson City and they just do something else. That's we call that the swamp. Uh, and it, the swamp right now is being driven by a few very powerful special interests that don't care what's good for the people of this state. They want to do what's good for them. I have watched this for seven years from inside Jefferson City as a state senator, and I am so frustrated because I know that the cost of all of this swampiness is the fact that I've got two kids, and the stagnation of this state means that it's overwhelmingly likely that my kids, and God willing, my grandkids one day, are not going to be able to find opportunity in the state of Missouri. They're going to have to move to Texas or Florida or Tennessee to find opportunity or to raise their families. I want them to stay here. But if we don't break the swamp, if we don't break the status quo that has a grip on Jefferson City as exemplified by Mike Parson and Mike Keogh and Jay Ashcroft, then we're never going to get there. Well, I'll tell you something else that really aggravates <laughs> Is And it works oftentimes, and tax hike Mike with the gas tax, and even locally here, we, I, I had I was emceeing, or no, I was speaking at an event, and afterwards there was a, re- a really nice guy that came up, and, and he was sympathetic to a local elected Republican when it came to his support of increase of taxes, because he explained to me, he's like, well, you know, he explained to me that we, we need it for this and we need it for that. And I thought, well, every time Democrats want to raise taxes, they have reasons, too. I mean, this is mm-hmm. <laughs> like just because, of course, they have a reason they want to raise taxes. And, and of course, they're going to tell you it's a good reason. But this was supposed <laughs> to be the difference between Republicans and Democrats as Republicans say there are no reasons to increase raising taxes, not, oh, there are. We just have a different idea. Mm. What? So we right now. Every citizen in the state of Missouri is sending more of their money to, to government, local, state, federal, than they've ever sent before. Adjusted for inflation, too. Even if you adjusted for inflation, you've never sent more of your cash, more of your treasure to government. And what are we getting for all that, right? Uh, we're sending money to schools. Are we happy with the outcomes in our schools? We're, we're sending it to Jefferson City. Are we happy with the outcomes of how Jefferson City protects our rights? We send it to the federal government. Is anybody happy with what the federal government has been doing with all that money, in addition to the money that they're, they're printing and borrowing? And, of course, I would argue that overwhelmingly the answer to that question from people of this state is no. And yet we have, a, we have an entire class of politicians that thinks that the only way to solve problems when they come up is to just beg for more money from the people of this state. And we have got to turn that around. What happened – to the business-minded Republicans who are actually going to address our problems by finding efficiencies within the $53 billion or the $20 billion they're already getting down in Jefferson City. I mean, we had the, the gas tax. The gas tax increase was the largest 
tax increase ever passed in the state of Missouri. It was it's projected to raise 550 million new dollars in tax revenues for the state. But my question is, why did we need to take another half a billion dollars from the people when spending in that same year had increased by 15 billion? We increased spending 15 billion the same year that we took another half a billion dollars from the people of this state. And nobody, nobody in Jefferson City, led by the softest Republicans amongst us, whether that's Mike Parson, whether that's Lincoln Huff, whether that's Mike Kehoe, took the time to go into the $53 billion budget that they passed and even get rid of the, the government positions that we're not even filling. I mean, we've got 7,000 government positions that we're paying for that we don't even have a person in. That's hundreds of millions of dollars in savings right there. But did they do that? No. And what did they do this year? They spent $10 billion in new pork wasteful spending items, building uh, a concrete overpass walking path over the top of I-70 in Kansas City. That was $200 million. Tens of millions of dollars for stadium improvements. Granted, don't get me wrong, I love the Kansas City Chiefs too, but I'd rather get rid of my personal property tax rather than improving spending tens of millions of dollars on their stadiums. That's what they were spending your money on. That no wonder be. the people of the state are furious. That, that, that so many Americans can't even afford to go to anyway. Well, and I got to tell you, we're talking with State Senator Bill Igel. He's got a big announcement tomorrow. It's not that he's running for lieutenant governor, and that's as specific as we'll get. <laughs> it's not treasurer either. Yeah, it's not treasurer, it's not treasurer either. either. Uh, By the end of this interview, <laughs> I'm going to tell you all that it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I appreciate that you – are willing to specifically name politicians that run as Republicans or that are Republicans that are part of the problem because too many times there are Republicans, again, that will run and say I'm conservative and we need to be more con- – but they but they won't name specific Republicans that are the problem. And, and that tells me that they're, they're not really serious oftentimes or they're afraid of rocking the boat. And if you're afraid of rocking the boat, then you are not going to be part of the solution. Uh, I, I, I want to mention to you, and I, I laughed at this piece in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. It's frustrating on one hand, but again, it's the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I mean, they're a bunch of lefties. And they I'm, obviously you saw this, I think, from last week in this entire article. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're an evil villain, and you are, you know, people are being tricked into donating money to you. They don't even know who you are. But the part of it that I thought was so funny, at least in the digital version, is the picture of you kind of sitting back with your hands up like you're laughing about the whole thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> What are you gonna do? <laughs> so you know, you know, and you know, you know what that tells me. That experience yeah. tells me. It tells me. Can you smell the fear coming yeah. from Jefferson City right now? Right. I mean, they think about what's happening. So this article, but you know, we have now gotten more than eighty thousand individual donations, not just from Missouri, but all over the country, of folks that say, "Hey, this is a guy that's going to start kicking over apple carts." from the powers that be, I, I've got 5 or $10 that I can send his way to help him get his message out. That is extraordinary. But what's happening as I, as I get that much support is I am bypassing the traditional Republican establishment donor networks that Republican candidates have historically gotten money from. And when they see me completely go around their existing power base of donors, because I don't have to make those calls to those establishment donors and ask for money to get my message out. I've got the people of this country supporting my message that's going to help me get my message out. They realize that when I'm elected governor, I'm not going to owe them a thing. And they are afraid of that. 
they know that I will completely reset the standard of how a governor is going to act in defense of the people in this state. And they're so afraid that they're having the post-dispatch write these hit pieces on me claiming that, you know, I'm doing something that I'm not and I'm some sort of mega villain. Right. That just tells me I'm over target. That just tells me I'm over target. Well, and the fear from them is only going to get greater. And I'm like, I expect more attacks to come. We're ready for it. Well, I'm just telling you, though, the picture that they put with it was the icing on the cake. I It made me laugh out loud. It's so cartoonish and ridiculous. I mean, it's just like you said, it shows the, the, the nature and it. it the uh, the real sad part, of course, is disinformation. But at, at the same time, how far journalism has fallen in this country. Uh, I'll give you final words this morning here as we wrap things up with State Senator Bill Igel making uh, an announcement tomorrow. It's not that he's running for auditor. Yep. There, I got not the. I got the other. State. Yeah, it's not Secretary. Of State. Not Secretary of State. Uh, I'm not running for Congress. I'm term limited in the State Senate, so it's not going to be that either. Uh, this is, you know, my, the message I'd leave folk for, with folks right now is over the next 11 months, as we go into this new phase of electing a proven conservative champion, because I have been exactly who I said I would be when I first ran for the state Senate in 2016, you're going to hear a lot of folks in Jefferson City or elsewhere, the Post-Dispatch, tell you that a guy like me, backed by patriots all over the state, can't win in a big election in this state, and that you should be afraid of whether it's the COVID environment coming back or the, the, the government not doing enough from you, that you should turn away from an opportunity that we have that may be unique in 2024 to elect a proven champion for this state. But if you're willing to go to BillIgle.com, that's my plug for my website, BillIgle.com, and sign up. Right now, you're going to join 30,000 other Missouri households that have already said they're not going to be afraid, and they're going to get behind a guy that has been the person he promised he would be and will bring brand-new, bold, conservative leadership to the state of Missouri in 2024. Check out BillIgle.com. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. And uh, it's E-I-G-E-L for those that aren't familiar. Bill Igle, it's good to talk to you. Appreciate it. And uh, when you're in town, give us a, a stop by. Thanks, Nick. I'll look forward to it. We'll talk real soon. All right. Sounds good. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. News for you Call of Duty online players. Activision Blizzard, the company that owns Call of Duty franchise, plans to deploy an AI tool to monitor your verbal chats in real time looking for what they deem toxic speech that can lead to censoring you or even banning you from playing online. We'll see you tomorrow morning at Scramblers. Glenn Beck's next. I'm Nick Reed.